This is Inside the Wolf's Den, an entrepreneurial journey with Sean and Joni Wolfswinkle. Welcome back to Inside the Wolf's Den with your hosts, Sean and Joni Wolfswinkle. Today we have a special guest for you. We have Mr. Tom Reber. Hey, Tom, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you? Super excited to have you on today. But before I'll go ahead and say a little bio on Tom. So Tom Reber, a true powerhouse in the world of sales and leadership. Tom Reber is not your ordinary entrepreneur. He's a force to be reckoned with, a performance coach, HGTV host, and the founder of The Contractor Fight, a global organization that has transformed the lives and business of hundreds of thousands of improvement contractors worldwide. Not only is Tom a trailblazer in the business world, but he also proudly carries the title of United States Marine Corps veteran. The Marine Corps background has instilled in him relentless work ethic and unwavering commitment to excellence. And when he's not busy revolutionizing the business landscape, you might find Tom severing the finest tequila or challenge himself to it with his kettlebells. So uh, <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. Well, yeah, we thank you for your service and uh, oh, hope to yeah, enjoy a fine tequila with you someday. Exactly. Yeah. There you go. Well, excited to get uh, to deep, get deeper into what you do, but why don't you give us a little background on yourself, Tom? Yeah, I grew up in uh, Wheaton, Illinois, about an hour straight west of Chicago. Uh, grew up there, joined the Marines uh, way back in the day. And uh, I guess that would be 1992 or 88. And uh, got out in uh, 1992. Um, ended up spending um, a lot of uh, some time working in my uncle's painting business, running some crews there. And then I Believe it or not, uh, I tell people this after they get to know me a bit, they they don't they laugh at this. Uh, spent some time as a campus minister yeah. at the University of Wisconsin, um, and uh, my ex-wife and I adopted three kids. Wow! And uh, one of them just got out of the Marine Corps this past uh, Thursday, That's super so he's cool. home now. Nice. And uh, then I got into uh, started a residential painting business. Uh, sold my half of that company in 2012. Somebody tapped me on the shoulder, asked me to speak in an event about growing a business. And fast forward uh, a number, about 11 years now. And uh, I, we have this, uh, this really cool company called The Contractor Fight, where we help home improvement contractors all over the world learn how to run a business and uh, you know, actually make money. Yeah, that's awesome. So what inspired you to start the contractor fight and how, how did this really evolve over time? Well, I, uh, as, as more and more people would tap me on the shoulder and ask for guidance, help speaking on sales or marketing or leadership, I just, you know, like many entrepreneurs do, I saw a need in the market to mm -hmm. really approach it in a different way. And, and my style is a little more in your face uh, the more I yell and scream at guys to stop <laughs> stealing from their families, uh, the more they join our programs and and come to our events and mm -hmm. ask me to come do a workshop or something for their company. And it, it's really just rooted in wanting to make uh, make the trades attractive. You know, it, it's been if you've tried hiring a contractor recently, you know how hard it is to even get somebody to answer their phone. And there's so much low hanging fruit out there in the contracting world and it's filled with really good men and women who are building really cool stuff and trying to help people. But mm. sadly, they're they're not making the money that they want to make and or that they deserve to make. And so we uh, we help them with leadership, sales, pricing, uh, marketing, anything, you know, that has anything to do with running a business. That's awesome. Yeah, I don't know. If, so. Our background, you probably know us from property management, which we use a lot of trades, mm -hmm, obviously, in the mm -hmm. property management. Mm -hmm. We also own a plumbing company in Albuquerque, uh, New Mexico. And uh, that's, yeah, it's been an interesting, uh, you're 100% right. Like, it's, uh, there's a, is a lot of low-hanging fruit and how you, you can really stand out in yeah. in this space, uh, just providing good service, right. answering your phone mm -hmm. and, and uh, going The back. basics. The basics. <laughs> yeah, but uh, it, but it's a... It, it is a, it's something that's so needed mm -hmm. and it's too bad that like people, kids coming, you know, out of high school and stuff aren't shown that this is a very good career path for a lot of people. Um, 
and it, it it isn't sexy, you know, being a plumber definitely isn't sexy. And, but it, uh, man, it can provide such a good income and, and so needed in this world, especially as technology, I would think as AI and all these things keep evolving. It's like, we're still going to need somebody mm-hmm. to come and, mm-hmm. you know, uh, do plumbing in your home, painting, you know, all these things that aren't going to be replaced. So, um, anyways, I just, uh, huge I, I i'm it's awesome that we have you and and i think uh what you're doing is a is a very it's noble cause yeah sure. so but uh tell us a little bit about you know some of the challenges um uh, that contractors face today and and how your company helps them overcome them well the first is helping them realize that the minute you hang your shingle on the door and open up tom's painting or whatever it might mm-hmm. be you no longer uh are allowed to be a craftsperson first. You you now have have embraced or you've you've taken on the role of being a business owner, and that that's where we start. That you know if you're going to do this, do it right. Run a real business. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, not to say that craftsmanship and all those things, you know, those skills and that knowledge you've acquired over the years isn't incredibly important. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, we all know if you're not making a profit, you don't have a business. Yeah, and you're not so going to be able to serve people, and um, and you're not going to be able to re- recruit people into the trades, which is really needed at this point. Mm-hmm. So we start with the basics of business. You know, how to price your work, how to market, how to sell, build your brand, uh, communicate, lead with the team, lead your team, uh, and from there we build based upon the size of the business. I mean, mm-hmm. we've worked with people that are startups all the way up to $20, $30 million businesses. So, and as you know, they all they all have a different challenge at every new level that you reach. And and so as they grow, um, we grow with them and help them meet those needs. Mm. This is probably a, a super basic question. And and in your opinion, should a contractor start by have you ever noticed it's always their last name or their first name? Whatever, and so and it's never a good thing because, like, what you're saying is like you're starting you you, you then the business you are, is around yeah, you. It's, you yeah. are the business. I'm, so my dad did a custom cabinetry mm-hmm. for for 30, 40 years in Santa Fe, and um, and uh, it was Wolf Swinkle Enterprises, and it's like, well, our name you know is tied to it. So, like, I'm just curious that when you're guiding them, I think it goes along with what you're saying, right? It's it build a business, right? Not not mm-hmm. not a right. Uh, um, can you speak to that a little bit or? Yeah, you know the <clears throat> naming the business can 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 be tough. You know, I mean, um, some people say I don't want to name it after myself because I can't sell it someday. And I've known people that have named it after themselves that have sold their business. You know, so I just think it's it, it's going to come down to are you executing the basics at a really high level consistently? Uh, that kind of trumps whatever you might name the business, unless it's something crazy offensive or whatever. But. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, one of my companies was called Jalapeno Paintworks <laughs> outside of Chicago. And it, our tagline was adding spice to your space. Oh, I like we, had it. A lot, we had a lot of fun with that. Yeah. Um, but I, I've known people that have built multi-million dollar, super profitable businesses where they've called it Chuck's Carpentry, mm-hmm. yeah. you know? So I, I really think it's, um, I'm personally a fan of, of giving it a name that's, that's not my own name. Okay. Um, you know, if I'm going to, if I'm starting a new contracting business tomorrow, I'll probably give it a different name than, than me. Yeah. But, um, you know, cause I, I think you have some more options that way. And uh, I like names that tell what you do, Yeah. you know, and I mean, the contractor fight, we named it the contractor fight because you got to win the fight between your ears before you win anything else, that's you true. know, in your yeah. business. And so that's, that's where we start with everybody is mm-hmm. we start with how you think and how mm-hmm. you approach, uh, what you think about yourself and your value and, are you getting oxygen for you and your family every day? And so that, that's really, you know, a little bit of the story behind the name of the fight. How do you, uh, when you're working with, um, you know, your clients and all that on that, how do you approach that? Cause I feel like a lot of the tradespeople are, you know, um, that's probably the biggest struggle because they're mindset. Yeah. They're Mm -hmm. just, uh, Mm -hmm. part of them, they, they think they know it all, you know, and, uh, especially the old school guys, they're like, you know, stuck in their ways. Mm-hmm. And that's how plumbing has been doing for 30 years. So why change now? Right. But like, so how do you approach them changing that mindset and, and overcoming that? And being a true leader, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, it's a journey. I think it's, it's a journey. Everybody has a, 
has a someday, mm -hmm. right? Someday, this is where I want to be. This is the level of success I want to achieve. And so I'll take two different types of people. You got the person who's really struggling in their business. And that's um, that really just comes down to, I think, getting into the blocking and tackling of running a business. And most haven't put any time whatsoever into that. Mm -hmm. uh, when I started my first painting business, uh, I priced my work based on what my uncle charged because mm. that's all I knew. Right. And over time, you educate yourself, you start to job cost, you realize that, hey, maybe these numbers work or they don't work based upon the goals that I have. And so, um, you know, somebody who's coming, who's struggling, you know, we we encourage them to start with owning your crap. Like what decisions yeah. have you made? that have put you in this situation mm -hmm. where you're reliving the same unprofitable year 10 years in a row. That's so you true. You know, you're the common denominator. Mm -hmm. Chances are you've had people coming in and out of the business uh, or, you know, maybe you're making some money, but it's feast and famine, mm. you know, and, and the stress that goes along with that. And I'm, I'm laughing because, you know, Sean, you, you had said, you know, teaching an old dog new tricks, <laughs> right? You know, those are a lot of times we have younger guys that'll listen to our show and I'm 53 and we'll have young guys in their 20s listening to the show and we'll get emails and messages going, man, I'm 100% into your, your methodology and the map that you talk about and all this other stuff. My dad, he's stuck in his ways and I don't know what to do with him and how do I make him change his mind? And, <laughs> and so we, we get a lot of those. <clears throat> the other type of business uh, would be somebody that you mentioned a minute ago. They've been in business 20, 30 years. This is the way we've been doing things. To those people, I would I would encourage them, and maybe they're winning, right? Mm -hmm. They're winning, but you know, one of the concepts we we talk about a lot here in the fight is how do you choose? How are you choosing to show up after you win? Mm. You know, um, you know, one of my coaches is always in my ear saying, "Don't be seduced by your own success," mm -hmm. and so it's easy to get complacent. And I truly believe there's a lot of contractors out there that are doing a decent job but they're leaving some meat on the bone yeah. and um, in profits and impact and building their brand and, and, and whatever. Mm -hmm. And so I encourage those people who have some things that are going right to let's take a step back and identify where we're allowing mediocre days and mediocre performance of the business. And let's take it higher. Mm. Uh, I, I believe one of the greatest sins, if you want to use that word is um, when we don't play to our abilities. You know, uh, a lot of people just go, oh, this is good enough. And I think good enough is is actually probably way more harmful to an organization than right. the guy who's just struggling and can't pay his bills today. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. And uh, yeah, it, it's along those same lines, I, I believe uh, probably a lot of the guys that you work with that are having success and probably running a decent. You also got to look at the hours, mm -hmm. right, that they're working too. And is it mm -hmm. is it. Uh, because you can work 60 hours, 80 hours right. a week and make very good living, but it's like... No quality of life. Yeah, it comes with other facts, mm -hmm. especially in this line of work or mm -hmm. different traits. Um, I'm sure you can see that too. And, yeah. and the goal is to... We all got in business to for... Freedom. Uh, for money and freedom, you know, or, or one buys the mm -hmm. other. But, uh, you know, so we can have yeah. time with our families and, and uh, a different yeah. quality of life. So Absolutely. Tom, can you share some strategies for building a successful contracting business, especially like in today in a competitive market? Mm. <laughs> That's a loaded question. I, <laughs> well, I, I love this question because you the key phrase that jumps out to me when when you ask that is is the phrase competitive mm. market. Um so if, if somebody and this this goes for any business, by the way. I mean, I do workshops for non-contractors and stuff like that mm. too. And uh, on occasion. And so I, I've seen this across the board in all industries. <clears throat> so here's, here's where I might ruffle a feather or two. Stop trying to be competitive. Yeah. Okay. Um, in fact, I, I have a video on YouTube I did years ago that um, basically the gist of the video is, you know, stop giving a crap what the going rate is mm -hmm. because the going rate is putting you in the gutter. Most business owners, contractors, non-contractors, most business owners, most small business owners don't know their numbers. Mm -hmm. So why would I care what the going rate is? <laughs> why would I base it on 90% of the people in my industry who have no clue what their break-even point is That's or what so gross true. profit means and mm -hmm. the difference between 
you know, gross profit, net profit. And some of this to your audience might be very remedial, but trust me, there are millions and millions of business owners out there right now who have no clue on this stuff. They just think if I just make a good cupcake or a nice paint job, it's going to take care of itself. And, and so my, our, our first strategy is you do you, mm. you focus on your mind, your business. Right. Yeah. And so, sorry, I do this. My, one of my daughter's boyfriends, he does air quotes all the time. You know, it's <laughs> the whole family. So, um, <laughs> love the air quotes. <laughs> I, I got to sit on my hands or something. So, <clears throat> but, um, so first and foremost, you got to know your numbers. You got to know your sweet spot. Your identify your ideal client. Um, and if you're newer, that's going to take some time, right? You know, you just you you work on some projects, you work with some clients, and this and that. You'll over time, you'll find out who your ideal client is, and you'll adjust it. But um, so that's number one. Number two is the strategy that we lean on is get oxygen. Mm. Like if you don't have sales coming into your business, yeah, you're dead. And it's um, kind of like Maslow's uh, hierarchy of needs, right? You got to have air, you got to have oxygen and food mm -hmm. and water. Mm -hmm. Well, that's what sales are for a business. And sadly, um, a lot of, a lot of companies, a lot of business owners will fill up their calendar and then they'll put their head in the hole and then they'll pop up six months later and realize they don't have any more work because they haven't continued to sell and market and build their brand. And right. so uh, if you want to be a real business, building your brand and marketing and attracting the right prospects to your company and selling those prospects, um, if, if you are not fanatical about that, uh, you're really going to struggle. In fact, every day <clears throat> in the contractor fight, we have a Slack channel and we get um, uh Every every morning we get what yesterday's sales were, so it's always on the on the forefront of the radar of our whole team. And if by chance it's been about two years now uh, since we haven't had a day where the cash register didn't ring in our company, mm -hmm. but it, if that were to be the case, if that's the case, we get a text, an automated text from our CRM that basically it's some meme of SpongeBob rolling around at four <laughs> o'clock in the afternoon. It's, if it's four o'clock and we haven't had a sale yet, um, SpongeBob runs around and the, the words are flashing saying, no sales today, no sales today. And our whole team gets the message and we're like, oh crap. And people start making follow-up calls or I'll go live on one of our social channels and I'll be like, hey, we got these cool hats in stock or whatever. I don't care if it's a $30 hat or one of our $100,000 coaching programs. Um, you know, we, it is just unacceptable to not have a day that goes by that you don't ring the cash register. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so I, I think, you know, what, what do they say? What you focus on improves. Yes. And so... Um, if you're focusing on, oh, nobody wants to work, kids are lazy, you can't, then you're going to find more of that. Yeah. And if you're focused on sales every day mm -hmm. and lead gen and those types of things, you're going to get more of that. So um, all of our coaching, as far as strategies go, I'm trying to be strategic here for you, mm -hmm. are really rooted in, um, let's get you thinking right of what's possible. Um like I said, don't worry about the going rate. You mm -hmm. do you. You you stay in your lane. You build your business. Um, then it's confidence in numbers. Then it's what we call get eyeballs, which is you know identifying and attracting the mm -hmm. right prospects. And then um, and then the last key to that would be what we call sell unafraid. So what couple of, one of the sayings that, that we riff on here all the time is you need to market like your last meal or your next meal depends on it. Mm -hmm. And you need to sell like you're independently wealthy mm. and not from a plate point of desperation. And when you have that combination, you have a profitable business mm. that can deliver a better service, hire better people, train mm -hmm. those people, give them a true career path, you know, where you don't have this revolving door of personnel in and out of your business and many other benefits. Yeah, that's, I love all three points. Yeah. Were awesome. But the, uh, I, I think a lot of people, I've done it in the past myself, like we're, your first point where I think we, a lot of business owners or, or people in the trades might, they look at their bank account, right? And that, right. That, that's their determination. <laughs> like, do we got money in the bank or not? And that, But that doesn't matter. That's not really what, you know, uh, if they're making money or not, you know. Um, and so, you know, I think uh, really knowing your numbers. And then uh, the second point, I love how you have like a visual 
mm-hmm. uh, in your CRM, and, and it, it, it seems like everything's automated. So like it's you're you're constantly putting in front of them, hey, what are our numbers? What's our KPIs? And if you're not hitting those, there's some kind of automatic, um, yeah, you know, signal for right. you to, to to signal your staff or your team to, hey, we gotta make a sale today, or mm-hmm. we gotta do that. So. Mm-hmm. That's, Anyway, yeah. those yeah, that was some huge uh, and, and one, one other strategy or, or mindset, if you want to call it that, that I encourage people with is, you know, you identify what you want. We all know this. You identify what you want. You reverse engineer the steps yes. to get there, and you do the steps. Right. Yeah. So I rarely ever focus on the end result. Mm. Once I've identified the steps or AKA the process, mm-hmm. right? Just work the process, yeah. just trust the process and, and base your success that day. If it's a win or a loss on, did I control the controllables? Did I take the actions on the things that needed to be done each day? And if so, I can high five myself regardless of what the end outcome would be. You know, when I'm talking to a home improvement contractor who might be a, a remodeling contractor doing you know, $150,000 kitchens, it's very unlikely he's actually going to sell one every day. Correct. Right. However, what do they have control over him and him or her and his sales team? You know, it's connecting with their past clients Mm -hmm. and Hey, how's the kitchen looking after a year or two? It's prospecting. It's, you know, being active on social. It could be doing sales role plays to get better. There's so many things that you can do each and every day that would count that day as a win. So I know there's people listening to this that where it might be weeks or a month or more that be between transactions because of the size of those transactions. But what are you doing in those unseen hours between ringing the register is really what's going to count. Yeah. 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 That's uh, you hit something right there with the customer service part, right? Like reaching out to clients, building those yeah. relationships over time. Because I mean, t- talk about the importance of just that, you know, customer mm-hmm. service and the building relationships. Well, I'll give one to your your audience right now. Uh, we call them UITs, unexpected intentional touches. Um, and it's it's as simple as this: you go into your phone. I like doing it via text. Okay. Um, and you know, there's, there's other apps out there. Like another app is it's got this little golden bear on it at the bottom there. It's called Bonjuro. Nice. Um, it's, uh, it's a email thing where you send a video via email and you can tell if they've opened it and they can uh-huh. reply. So I use a combination of both, but, um, and we, we have, a, um, just came to mind, one of our general contractors <clears throat> in 2022, 38% of his revenue uh, was generated by these UITs and it's maybe do three of these a day. It might take you five minutes. It might take you 10 minutes. Um, I'll send a video via text and I'll go, Hey, Joni, it's Tom with Tom's construction. Um, just thinking about the garage we built for you last year Mm -hmm. or X, Y, Z. When you get a minute, hit me back. Let me know how it's looking. Have a great day. Yeah. Done. You know, maybe you did a loan for somebody, right? You did a, you know, whatever. And you're, Mm -hmm. you're like, you know, Hey, you know, I was just thinking about, you know, the, the home you bought last year. I just wanted to just follow up. How's it going? I know you mentioned you had dreams for this, that, and the other thing. How's that coming? Just this quick little touch that's unexpected, but it's intentional. Mm -hmm. And the compound effect of that over time um, you know, when, when I do these workshops, one of the things I say is if I, if I'm a say just a strict salesperson, I'm not even the owner and say there's uh what 265 sales days in a year, maybe you take out weekends and holidays times three, you do three of those a day. It's about 800 touches. Okay. You're not going to go over 800 in a year. I promise you. And so I, in fact, I, I was in a workshop a couple of, uh, a couple of weeks ago. And I had everybody in the workshop send one when I was talking about this. I said, everyone just take a minute and send one to a past customer. And about 30 minutes later, the owner of the company, this guy's been in business 40 years. He, uh, he raises his hand in the whole in the last half an hour. He's been on his phone. I could tell he's like texting or something. Yeah. And he raises his hand and I go, what's up? He says, Hey, you know, that thing you just had us do. I said, yeah. He says, I just sold a $50,000 project. Wow. Okay. And this is huge because the cost of leads, yeah. acquiring a new customer, mm-hmm. all those different things in business. Most businesses 
neglect the people right under their nose in their own yeah. database that have already given them money. This also works for people that have gone into witness protection that we call it. You give somebody a bid and then they disappear, you follow up, they don't call you back, whatever it might be. I, I've done it where I got 10 minutes to kill. I'm like, go through all the all the open, you know, that we never got a yes or a no on, or even if you got a no. And I'm going to send it, I'm going to go, hey, Sean, it's Tom with such and such. You know, last year we were talking about X, Y, Z. I'm curious if you ever had the work done. And every now and then you'll you'll snag one that way too because life happens, you know. Mm -hmm. Maybe somebody passed away in the family and they put the project on hold, and um, maybe they moved. Uh, you, you never know what's going on, and and this is all rooted in, by the way, this experience, UITs, and these touches. One of our sales coaches, Derek, um, every interaction he has with a human being, I'm doing the hand thing again. Um, <laughs> I, I have a point though. He pictures them wearing a sign around their neck that says, make me feel important. Uh, imagine, that's... imagine how your sales game would mm. change, how your customer service game, if you have a retail store, somebody mm -hmm. walks in and you train your people to just say, you know, I want you to picture, make me feel important, how much differently we're going to show up, how much more engaged we're going to not blow off the UIT. We're going to just send that quick text. And again, it's, there's no big home run here. What's the saying? Small hinges swing big doors. So you stack enough of these small wins consistently over time. And I think you'd be blown away by how much more profit, revenue, um, and all that good stuff that comes towards your business. I love that because I mean, it doesn't matter what business it is, right? It mm -hmm. works. Um, and you said one key word there, being intentional with it. Yeah. You know, um, wow. It's yeah. a lot of value there. We, we have, if you ask my wife, She's upstairs right now. If you if 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 I just yelled upstairs right now, um, hey, who do you wish would call you right now? She would tell you our our painter. Mm. Okay. Young couple started this business, small business. They did uh did her interior a year and a half ago. They did her exterior a year and a half ago. We were doing a bunch of work in the house. They have done zero contact with us since. I don't dislike uh -huh. these people. They're just, they're good people and they just don't know what they don't know. They don't, don't understand the power of this. Uh -huh. And in fact, I talk about this on the podcast. I talk about this on my Instagram, on my YouTube channel, where I say my painter, my painter. And the funny thing is she likes the posts and she still doesn't. Okay? <laughs> like, Hello, so anyway, I'm talking about you. <laughs> and I don't know if she's just embarrassed at this point, but <clears throat> If they would text the queen, that's what we call my wife. She's the queen. All right. Uh, her name's Lee. If they were to text Lee and say, hey, Lee, it's so-and-so. It's been almost two years. Just wanted to see how, how the paint job's looking. Her reply would be, it looks amazing, but I have a bunch of other things I want to talk to you about. Right now, I guarantee there's a $20,000 paint project in my house. Totally. Sitting there <laughs> waiting and that's, again, I'm, I'm going to vamp on sales here for a second. Most salespeople are waiters. Mm. They wait for, they're like baby birds. Yeah. Feed me the lead, boss. You know, <laughs> oh, hey, yeah. hey, Google, send me a lead. Okay. And I get it. We, you know, we, we want to, we all want to just push a button and spend a little money and a bunch of leads, qualified leads come in. Yeah. But there are millions of dollars sitting right under our noses, but we, we're yeah. just sitting back and we're waiting. We're not hunters. We're order takers as a whole, as salespeople. And so um, anybody listening in any industry right now, I encourage you to just put together a quick hunting plan, mm -hmm. you know, and, and just take 15 to 20 minutes a day. Uh, another thing here is if you offer a service that has a warranty, uh, we, we coach our members to do what we call warranty calls. So if I did a project for you guys at your house and, you know, a lot of contractors have like a one-year warranty because usually if something's going to go wrong, it's within a year, right? Mm -hmm. Two months or so before the warranty is up. And here's, here's how you do this if you don't want to get crazy with the CRM. I sell you guys a project. We finish the project. You hand me the check. I walk out to my truck. I record, hey, remind me on April 15th, 2024 to call Sean and Joni about their warranty. It's done. And then damn near every day of the week, you've got a reminder popping up and this is how it goes. I'm gonna call you up. 
I'm and Sean, maybe you answer the phone and I go, Hey, it's Tom. We did your project. You're like, Hey, what's up? And I'm like, Hey, listen, I just want to let you know your warranty's up in a couple months and it's time to schedule your warranty visit. And Sean's going to go, what's that? Okay. <laughs> and I'm going to say, well, it's just a time where we could come out, put eyes on the project and address anything that might be an issue before it becomes a problem. That way you're not on the hook for it later on. And there's not any issues and blah, blah, blah. It'll take about 15 minutes. Now, two things have happened. I'm back in the yard. I'm back in the house. We're reconnecting on that relationship. 90% of the time, there's not an issue. If there is, you just fix it right away. Yeah. Not a big deal. And then the law of reciprocity kicks in. Uh. Okay. Where you did something good for them. People often feel obligated. And so when I did these in one of our companies in the past, about 35 to 40% of the time we did a warranty call led to additional work mm. while we were out there. Okay. Hey, you know, since yeah. you're here, we were thinking about, you know, junior graduated college and he doesn't need a bedroom here anymore because he's got his own apartment. We're going to convert his bedroom into the naked room or whatever. Right. So, um, <laughs> and you know, we need a price on this. And so there's just all these simple, not, um, overwhelming activities that anybody could take. I mean, I we've done it where maybe you have an admin assistant who's got some downtime through the day. What if they picked up the call and did a mm -hmm. UIT, mm -hmm. right? What if they called, did a warranty call, mm -hmm. you know? And again, you got, you know, we were, I spoke at an event where um, the average company in the room had like eight to 10 salespeople. Well, then you start doing the math, 800 times eight, 10 people of these touches. You can see how quickly that's, that's the zeros line. start yeah. compounding yeah. here. So, yeah. I love it. Yeah, um, I yeah. got some ideas for myself, Tom. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, some things that we we are not doing in our plumbing company. Um, the uh, I'm going to play devil's advocate. So, because I'm sure you get these guys in your in your meetings in your rooms and stuff like that. So, the guy that you know, I'm just going to use a plumber because I can pick on plumbers. The, uh, <laughs> um, they're going to claim that like. Well, somebody's got it. Like, so, so say they don't have eight salespeople, and they're just—they are the salesperson. Yeah, they are the salesperson. They're also the plumber, and they're mm -hmm. just trying to get there. So, like you, I think you mentioned them earlier. You know, where they might get a series of work and jobs, but then they're not doing these items. Or, mm -hmm. I guess, what do you recommend to the guy that you know? Hey, I have to go fulfill or service the work, fulfill yeah. it, and then, but also play salesman and play. I don't have time. You know, that's what they're going to claim, but yeah. uh, to, to really build it, to get over that hump, to maybe get a salesperson or a BDM and all that. So I don't know yeah. what, what you recommend. So, so yeah, great question. Two part answer. The first is hire a VA, mm -hmm. start with a VA yeah. um, and, and make that one of their duties. Okay. Cause it has, it, it, it has to be done. I mean, you could choose not to do it. That's fine. And you can continue to work harder than you need to. Yeah. Okay. The second side of that, I don't know how this applies necessarily with everyone on here, but in the contracting industry, the average home improvement contractor, when they go do a bid, it's about four hours of their life. Mm. They're in back in traffic. Yes. You know, standing there talking about the project. They like, you. they offer you a pop. You know, I've sat on a guy's back deck and had a cigar and a whiskey before and this and that. I think they're going to hire me. They loved me. We had all this in common. And then, you know, we send over the proposal and next thing you know, they're in witness protection and I can't find them anymore. Right. <laughs> and so point is, is we, uh, this sounds self-serving, but I have a point to, we teach a process of how to pre-qualify people mm -hmm. in 10 to 15 minutes on a phone call before we set foot on their property, before we have that sales meeting mm. where we talk about, it's a five-step problem, the motive people buy for their reasons, mm. not my reasons. So let's figure out their reasons, right? If I think we're a good fit, then we're going to move into what something like this might cost. And we'll talk broad strokes, budget, top and bottom. If they're cool with that, then we will, we basically get them to invite us out. Okay. Um, we, we address, um, uh, step four is, is called the uh, is influencers. Who else? Who else is excited to do this project? Mm -hmm. Oh, that's my wife. Hey, what do you think she's going to feel about the twenty thousand dollar budget? You know, yeah. like that way you avoid. I got to talk to my wife. And then our our fifth step, which some use, some don't use, and and I can make the case either way, is a consultation fee. Okay, so if you want me to come out and just repeat what I've told you in ten minutes on the phone for free, that it's going to be fifteen to twenty thousand dollars to do this project, blah blah blah. 
um, and you still want to go get other bids, but you want me to come out, our time isn't free for that. Now we'll apply it towards the job and stuff. So what we do is we teach, and I think any salesperson could do this, is upfront, have that pre-qualification conversation so you're not spending all this crazy time on people that are never going to hire you. Mm-hmm. And the way you do it with the right spirit of the conversation and tonality and all those different things, it they think it's their idea to not work with you, <laughs> but yeah. really you're weeding them out. So this often frees up at least half of the sales time for a contractor. Mm-hmm. So what we hear a lot is when we teach this sales process, the contractor now has more time to work in the field if they still work in the field mm-hmm. or to work on the business, to train people, to prospect to build affiliate relationships, whatever they want to do to build their business because they've recovered about 50% or more of their unicorn chasing time Mm -hmm. or or what we call living on Hope Island. So that's good. Yeah. Going back to your ideal client, right? I mean, do they, are are they pre-qualified? And I mean, you may not want to work with Mm -hmm. them either. (laughs) We do that in our property management company. If they don't have any money to spend then, you know, (laughs) on maintenance, that's probably not your ideal client. Yeah. Exactly. So uh, tell us a little bit, you know, obviously the world's changed over the last couple of years or think, think it's a, it's a, it's a uh, interesting climate where recession, you know, whatever dooms gloom that a lot of news says right now, but uh, where do you think the uh, future of the contracting industry or the home improvement industry is headed? And, and uh, do you see any mm. opportunities and challenges ahead? Yes. Yeah, uh, I do. I, for a long time, now let's back up uh, a couple of years. When COVID hit, right around that time forward, we've started to hear a lot more in the media about, um, oh, it's so hard to find people. Mm -hmm. The the contracting industry has been having that conversation for decades. Okay. So it's nothing new to us. So, um, That being said, I believe the opportunity is huge for a contractor who truly wants to run their business like a business, Mm -hmm. who pays attention to just, I mean, I don't think anything we've talked about today so far has been advanced, No, right? It's, you know, and and I would argue that, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, I want to scale and grow the business. That's just doing the basic stuff better and a larger scale, Mm -hmm. (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. And so for those that are paying attention, and really focused in on knowing their numbers, what it costs per day to run my business and what I need to charge, um, make me feel important when you deal with people, all those little things. It's answering the phone, it's calling somebody, you know, basic communication stuff. There are millions and millions of dollars of profit for people out there, you know, in the trades mm-hmm. right now. Now, I also understand there's people that they want to keep a smaller business. They like working with their hands. I don't judge that at all. I'm not saying everybody has to never put the tools on. And if you love doing it, do it. Just make sure you're making bank. Right. You know, and you're building, I mean, most contractors get to the end of their career and don't have anything to show for. Mm -hmm. And so, um, so I think there's huge opportunity there. I think one of the biggest opportunities, and this is just my own take, is I have seen such a swing in the last 10 years from old style business stuff, like, um, haven't said this in 10 years, yellow pages, <laughs> yeah. you know, like things like the yellow pages and, you know, just things that were appropriate at the time, right. Mm-hmm. In the contracting world, it swung from, I don't have a CRM. I don't have a website to this, to this crazy swing of automation uh-huh. where yeah. automating conversations, aut- you know, just creating websites that have all the pricing, which I think you should have pricing on your websites, but it's like near impossible to talk to human beings. So I think the big opportunity is for those contractors who use technology to support them, but get back to a little more of that human touch. Yes. Yes. You know, I don't care. You pick a, pick a company right now, call Mm -hmm. their 800 number. You're talking to a machine. There's a bunch of prompts. Um, you know, and that's why the value of a handwritten card, that's why the value of a UIT, that's, if you guys know Andy Frisella, mm-hmm. uh, okay, you know, Andy is famous, at least I heard from him saying uh, many years ago, scale the unscalable. What are those things that are not scalable? Go all in on those things. 
And that's where we came up with the UITs and, and warranty calls and stuff. Um, we do not do these UITs in a blanket text to 30,000 people. Correct. You know, it is a one by one. So I, I think a big opportunity is people want more connection mm -hmm. in the world and any business that can do that, I think is going to have an edge. Mm -hmm. That would set you apart. Yeah, yep. I loved love it. it. The, uh, and I, I noticed that. that when you said your, uh, your follow-ups and all that, you mentioned like you, you were very specific about like the garage door mm -hmm. that you were not, it wasn't like, Hey, we did work at your home Repairs. a year ago, <laughs> you know, very generic. Right. Cause you can tell those emails yeah. and like, you delete mm -hmm. them. Cause mm -hmm. you're like, you know, it's an automated thing. And, but if you got specific on, Maybe it was like putting in that pool for your family and how, the, you know, I don't know what it would, mm -hmm. some specific to them and their needs. Uh, or I you talk to them about their family, like yeah. how's your, you know, wife doing, you know, those kind of things that, that just yeah. builds that relationship and that connection. Yeah. So yeah, cool. if somebody's got to get the home ready for, you know, we're in graduation season now. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's like, we just had our two youngest daughters just graduated and, and, you know, we were doing a lot to get the house ready. We had, you know, companies in here doing stuff and uh, in the yard and this and that. Think of what it would be like a month after the party to get a phone call or a text. Just go, hey, Joni, it's Tom with Tom's whatever. Yeah. I know, uh, I know you had a lot going on and a lot to get ready for, for, you know, Iris's graduation party. That's one of our daughters. And um, I'm just curious how it went. Yeah. I mean, I would, I'd probably keep, I'd probably still have that handwritten card somewhere. You know? Yeah. Or you would, you'd, you'd be telling your friends about it. You'd mm -hmm. be, you know, like, because it's, it's uncommon. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, again, you know, I'm all for automation. I'm all for making life know, easier, but running an ad that's going to work. And right. this, I get that, but I really mm -hmm. think the, the edge in, reputation and the edge and profit is going to come down to these things mm, that are it. not scalable. Love yeah. it. So, awesome. yeah, we have uh, some questions we ask, uh, you know, all our guests on the show. And uh, one of them is if you could go back into your, you know, just a few years back, uh, your early 20s, uh, what advice would you have give yourself? <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Um, You know, I, I would probably, I, all right, first of all, I probably wouldn't change anything. Okay. Sure. Cause I, I believe what I did, what I went through mistakes, you name it, um, made me who I am. And I really like who I am first, first and foremost. But if I go back in a time machine right now, pop up to 20 something, 20 year old Tom, I would go, um, you just keep being you, you're going to figure this out and you're mm -hmm. going to be okay. Yeah. Like nice. that, that would be my Love advice. It. And, um, because there, there were some, I, I mean, listen, I, I wrote a book called winning the contractor fight and I was in my early twenties when I got out of the Marine Corps, I was working for my uncle. It was a hot summer day. I'm sitting in this $400 beater car that I bought at a toll booth on I-88 outside <laughs> of Chicago in Aurora, Illinois. I had just gotten off work. I'm covered with stain, you know, from working all day and it's just nasty. And I look next to me and there's this guy in this nice car. He had nice hair and air conditioning. And I remember hating him, <laughs> you know, and, and I remember a guy like that. Or I remember, you know, I painted a house for a guy that at the time he was like, um, he was building this couple million dollar house and he was a stockbroker guy. And I remember thinking, um, I'll never be a guy like that. Hmm. I'll never be a guy that could go out and drop a thousand bucks on dinner. If he felt like it, I'll never be the guy that can order from the left side of the menu instead of the right side where the price is. Yeah. You know? And so, that version of Tom and this, this is a whole nother five shows probably, but, <laughs> um, I believed my whole life. I was stupid. I rode, I literally rode this short bus and was in special ed for two years in grade school. And so I thought success was for other people. Now, mind you, I was a decorated Marine. I was a, a decorated athlete. Like I had all these, this other evidence, but mm -hmm. I still had this ball and chain around me that I was stupid, that I, I, you know, Reber's never make money. Like nobody in my family ever really made any money. And so I remember, so for 
back to the point of this, if if the 53-year-old Tom had come back and said, dude, you're going to be just fine, that would have meant a lot. Mm. Mm. Wow. Love it. Tom, what's your next? What are you looking to accomplish in the next five to 10 years? Yeah. So um, we, uh, b- quick history lesson. I had, I had a one season show on HGTV that um, was called Unfinished Business. It's mm. streaming on Discovery now. And that was a great experience. They chose not to renew the show, which is fine. And um, and so I've been um, plotting my next TV show. Mm-hmm. And in fact, today I I just had a conversation with uh, with a, a producer that I know, and we're we're looking at that as uh, kind of the next big move for mm-hmm. the fight. But other than that, whether that happens or not. Um, you know, we are just, we're on this, this quest to make being a contractor attractive and bring respect and dignity back to the trades. And that mm. starts mm. with the contractor yeah. respecting themselves. And so um, we're just trying to do what we're already doing at a, at a stronger and bigger level. And obviously there's strategies and tactics to all that, but I, I think we've, we've got a pretty good cheeseburger right now. We just need to, to get it in the hands of more people and and um, that's that's what fires me up. I mean, you know, I love being able to mo- most of the the feel good messages we get are like, you know, dude, your your program or this, that or the other thing saved my marriage. Yeah. Or after 12 years of being in business, I was finally able to take my family on a vacation mm. or, you know, we had, have a guy who's now one of our coaches, you know, um, paid off a million dollars worth of debt in three years, mm-hmm. you know just by implementing some of these things. That's why we do it. It's, mm. I, I give a crap about your business, really. I care more about your life because mm-hmm. you can always start a new business. You can always find a way, a way to make money. Yeah. This just happens to be your thing. Cool. Um, but I just uh, I just look forward to having a bigger impact. And, and that's why we're always looking for that, yeah. that next way to have that impact. Awesome. Well, I love your niche and I think you're, what you're providing out there is awesome. We have a lot of contractors and business owners that listen to the show. We're part of a franchise, Neighborly Franchises. So um, this right here can add so much value to them. So um, how can they get a hold of you if they want to, you know, know more about the contractor fight and what you offer? Yes. Real simple, thecontractorfight.com or they can connect with me on Instagram at at real Tom Reber. Awesome. We'll put that we all, in the we also, yeah, we, I'm sorry. We we also have um just if people like podcasts because they're listening to this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um we have the contractor fight podcast. We're closing in on about 800 episodes. Um and uh we we've cracked the top hundred on entrepreneurship a few times and super proud of nice. that. And it's uh don't listen to it with little kids in the car, especially if I'm <laughs> doing a solo episode. But I, I have a question for you. Go for it. See, I see the host in me can't help it. So, (laughs) all right. In your line of work, if you waved a magic wand over the contracting world and tomorrow you woke up and something was different or better, what would it be? Mm, Good question. Wanted to change the contracting world. Oh, I I, I think we, when we got on, when we talked about it, um, I feel Oh, the school systems already. There's not. It's not the school systems already. I don't know if this is possible. You said a magic wand, so I'm going to use a magic wand. You know, or, or I'll rephrase it to maybe this will be easier. What do you wish contractors knew? Well, let me answer my first thought real right. quick. So I I wish that school systems and um we would get back to teaching the trades in school and there's there's a there's a ton of kids out there that don't mm-hmm. that. Don't even they don't they don't manage money or or, a bank account. But they they're they're not cut out to go to college, you know, or Mm -hmm. to and do and so I wish they would get there would be programs and people to get into the trades coming out of uh, I think so some kind of education platform Mm -hmm. to help, you know, the sixteen to twenty year olds, you know, transition in and, and show them that it's a really decent career for them to make a good living for their families long term. So that that that's my wish i guess yeah Mm -hmm. uh that'd be my biggest one um and contractors knew um i i would yeah i would say the going back to a lot of what you already said you you said some really good uh topics but the uh 
knowing their numbers and truly and knowing their numbers on, on on the marketing end so many of them just throw money against the wall and see what's to you know okay mm-hmm. generate you know i'll spend ten thousand dollars on this and, yeah. and they have no clue what performance or what it's returning to them in their business um and they're just they're just busy you know and and just and so they really need to know i think knowing your numbers and i know that sounds generalized and but like know their numbers on the marketing end, know their uh, uh, profit and loss statements, knowing their each job, you know, did the, was that job profitable? Because you can get into a lot of jobs that where you just, you spend a fortunate amount of hours, you know, and you just, it's really right. a, lose money on it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that's where, so going back to what you already talked about, I don't know. Thanks for letting me put you on the spot. Yeah, (laughs) that was good. Uh, And we're going to have all your information in the, in the show notes so people can reach out to you and touch base with you. Do you have like coaching programs or do you have, um, obviously you do, but the, uh, is there, um, are you doing like boot camps or seminars or is it? Yeah. 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 So our, our main program is called battleground. We got about 400 contractors in that program currently, and it, it grows every month. Um, where it's uh, it's group coaching on steroids. You get a lot of fanatical attention from myself and the other coaches within that group. Uh, we I do workshops for you know larger companies uh, in or out of the trades on sales and leadership. And then every year we have an event called Mile High Profit Summit uh, that happens in September in the Denver area, or at least the last two years. And then this year, twenty three, it'll it's the last week of September. Uh, in Denver. Um, and we're considering moving it around the Southwest here. We'll, we'll see what happens with that, but for now it's in, in Denver and that that's an event with about 450, 500 contractors that come there every year, uh, for that. And, and we, we bring the the goods for about three days. So that's awesome. Great. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, we'll, uh, we'll be in your, in Denver, uh, in October. In October. So maybe we'll have to hit you up and take you out to dinner or something. I'll I'll drive up. We'll take you guys to dinner. Our pleasure. Awesome. Well, thank you, Tom, for being on the show today. I'm excited for this to drop and we will see everyone next time. See ya. Thank you. You've been listening to Inside the Wolf's Den, an entrepreneurial journey with Sean and Joni Wolfswinkle. Tons of entrepreneurial podcasts are out there talking talk talk talking but joni and sean are living it every single day their portfolio now includes many franchises and medium-sized businesses we talk about the trials and motivators of successfully running a business join us again soon for another podcast but until then reach out on the website at insidethewolfsden.com on facebook at inside the wolf's den on Instagram at Inside the Wolf Den. We'll see you again soon. This is Inside the Wolf's Den. We'll see you next time.